0: Blog Talk Radio. Tuning in. This is T Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a certified reconnective healing practitioner, sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion. That is probably already happening now. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, post it, and we will do our best to get your question on air. Now, as an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and you cannot continue to listen online, you may just dial us directly by dialing in 347-202-0227, and that way you can listen via your phone, or please use your Bluetooth if you are indeed driving about Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. With Audible.com, you can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want, and you can get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com energyawareness. That's www.audibletrial.com energyawareness. So let's ask this question tonight. What is wisdom? How do we attain wisdom? Do you think wisdom may be taught? There are countless books claiming to outline the path to spiritual enlightenment, and it's tempting to believe that the wisdom can be attained by following a few simple steps, but is that realistic? We're going to explore this right now with my guest, Ernest Kurtz, who received his Ph.D. in the history of American civilization from Harvard University, and over his academic career, He's taught American history and the history of religion in America at the University of Georgia and Loyola University of Chicago and served on the faculty of the Rutgers University Summer School of Alcohol Studies and as a lecturer at the University of Chicago School of Social Service Administration. The author of Not God, The Authoritative History of Alcoholics Anonymous, Ernie has lectured on the history of spirituality in England, Denmark, Israel poland russia and throughout these united states he is co-author with Catherine ketchum of the spirituality of imperfection and their newest collaboration which is our topic for discussion experiencing spirituality finding meaning through storytelling and you can learn more about him by visiting his website www.erniekertz.com so that's e-r-n-i-e K-U-R-T-Z dot com. So write that down so you can check it out after the show. Welcome to the show, Ernie. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you being? Doing fine today, T. Thank you very much for having me. I, I am so thrilled because as I was reading your book, and I always ask my guests how they are being, and I have done that for I don't even know how many years, and I was so surprised and pleased to see that you speak about being in your book, and when... People ask, you know, how do you do? I always want to respond with, how do I do what? And actually, I have responded with that on occasion, only to be given a very puzzling look, you know. I mean, really, because we do things, but we be, at least to me. And now I know to you as well, and that is how we are in our life, all aspects of life. So though the question can be, you know, how do you be is foreign to most people, I do say it, and I absolutely loved reading it in your book. I couldn't believe there was an entire paragraph devoted to it as a footnote on, I think it was like page six or seven or something, I just started laughing because I thought, oh, my gosh, this is good. I'm going to love this show (laughs) because I always say, how are you being? And people, you know, they're like, how am I being? What does she mean? That is not the right way to say it. And actually, it is. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) You are the co-author of this book, Experiencing Spirituality, along with Catherine Ketchum. And you, two have co-authored before on the 1992 book, The Spirituality of Imperfection. And you mentioned in your introduction that you and Catherine, so 2,200 miles apart and over a 20-year period approximately, have remained in contact sharing ideas and exchanging insights and discoveries and all kinds of information. What made the two of you decide to write another book together almost, if I can be so bold, as as, it's almost like it's a follow-up in a way to your first book. Why did you decide to do that?
1: Well, I think one thing that led to it was some comments and questions we had. The spirituality of imperfection, interestingly, started off very slow in sales, but has been very consistent over the years. And, uh, you know, 20 years after publication, it was still selling as well as it had the second year after publication. And occasionally people would contact one of us with a question of some kind, and uh Really, it it was impossible to answer so many of those questions because they came from spiritual depth, and it sort of uh, we we started putting together experiencing spirituality, the new book, and thinking about the questions that we'd been asked and trying to address them, and especially to find stories that would speak to them.
0: You know, and the stories speak to—I mean, just a, a plethora of, of categories here. It's amazing, but the book in 1992. I really think that probably you were a bit ahead of your time because people. I think it's taken time for people to get the fact that what they need to be is is spiritual. You know that they're they're trying. People are hungering and they're thirsty for something, and they don't know what it is. And over the past 22 years. Uh, book is in 1992 so that is 22 years probably you are a bit ahead of your time and that's why it's been selling so well all along because it is very much a necessity would you agree? Well spirituality
1: is, is uh, people are beginning to see the riches in it and uh, I'm writing an article right now in fact on secular spirituality because we are we are coming to see more and more that uh, spirituality is some people think it's it's closely tied to religion and for some people it is, but not necessarily so for everyone. And There is a secular spirituality. In fact, Sam Harris's new book, uh, Waking Up, its subtitle is Spirituality Without Religion. And uh, I, to, to people who are atheistic in their outlook, I think they would find that book helpful. So it's, uh, it's, it's a case of trying to to meet where people are. I think the other thing about that first book, though, that uh, for people to come to terms with imperfection, it's become a more common topic since. I think we were the first ones really at sort of the cutting edge of talking about the reality of imperfection that characterizes all of us, and the question is to learn how to live with that and accept
0: it. I, I, I oftentimes will say, you know, people have said things like, oh, you know, why is this person perfect? And it's like, no, you know, or I'm not perfect. And, and I'll say, well, no, you, you're you absolutely perfect in your imperfections. That's that's what we're here for. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we yes are. absolutely. Well, we are all perfect in our imperfections. We are a work in progress. There was a, a, a movie, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was a little boy who grew in the garden. The parents wanted children and they weren't having any. And all of a sudden a little boy walked in and he was like, a plant he'd grown in the garden or something and i know people know the name of this this and they're trying to mentally get it to me and they're saying oh he's no good at movies i'm not i like books <laughs> and, uh, it was something about timothy green the, the life of timothy green or something i think that was the name of it anyway he there was a part in the in the movie where he takes a shot i think it was basketball or football i don't even know okay and the coach looks at him like he really messed up and he says i can only get better and i thought now that is the attitude That is the attitude to have. (laughs) You can only get better. It's absolutely true. And I I do think that, you know, religion can be spiritual, but oftentimes it's not. But spirituality can very much be religious. It can be your religion because of, of the way that you bring it into your life. And one of the things in the book was that sometimes when we read something, it triggers a thought or an idea or a memory in ourselves, which can be good. To the reader on you know a lot of different levels, so why did you say that your first truth with which you both had to become comfortable was that anything you wrote would do no good <laughs> because
1: I think the uh the the attempt to teach reality that's spiritual is 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 uh, simply too proud a claim. It's impossible, and and those those who pretend to teach spirituality are, are usually charlatans of one sort or another. We remember all of the uh, all of the great spiritual teachers. Uh, the the large example, of course, is Jesus of Nazareth. But when people came to any of the great spiritual teachers and to say you know how 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 should i live the answer always was come follow me come see how i live it can't be taught by words and the problem with a with a book or with a lecture or even with a phone call such as this is all, all we have is is uh is words and uh This is one reason, again, for relying on story. Story, Stories are also made up of words, but stories are more than mere words. Stories convey something that simple, uh, straightforward, didactic speech can never capture. And I think, again, the great spiritual teachers have always been storytellers. I think back to my graduate school years, the best professors were storytellers, and uh, I, I... I learned I think a great deal about teaching in trying to model that. To be able to to be alive to and to tell stories is a great gift and a great a great thing to strive for.
0: Yes, I agree, and I think it it helps because we learn better through our experiences and our experiences are our stories. And of course everybody has a story. Doesn't mean it's a good story and it needs to be shared, but but it is good mm-hmm. in that it's how we learn and how we grow. And my truth, my experience, my wisdom is very different from anyone else's, and everyone else's is very different from mine, you know. But the experiences that bring us to our authentic selves, if I can use oh, use that overused phrase, uh, our wisdom or our growth are similar in that we can resonate with the how of it all. We all have similar yeah, different stories and that's how we grow from our stories and from our understanding other stories because we resonate with them mm-hmm. and sometimes we don't we don't get it right away when it's our own story and sometimes we have to see something in someone else in order to see it in ourselves does this make sense <laughs>
1: oh absolutely i think that's why i you know my work with alcoholics anonymous going back to my dissertation uh the reason that program works so well for so many people is uh they don't tell each other what to do they tell stories of their own experience strength and hope and it's uh uh it, it's something that uh many uh, professionals fail to grasp and uh it it really is is the secret of how that fellowship works um uh, members uh, tell in a general way, as it says in the AA Big Book, our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. And those stories are fascinating. And in identifying with them or finding points where identification is not possible, uh, a real spirituality develops. It's a... I think, again, from the stories, especially in The Spirituality of Imperfection, the immersion in the storytelling program at Alcoholics Anonymous, I think, uh, really stood both Kathy and myself in good stead.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that stories are a great way to teach and a wonderful way to learn, because, let's face it, in every situation, we're the teacher and we're the student. You know, we mm-hmm. get something both in both ways, but it makes you remember it better instead of just reading something and having to memorize it if there's a story tied to it, an actual event, you say, oh, you know, I knew a person who, well, that reminds me of a story, you know, mm-hmm. it might not be your story, but you certainly can pass things along. And that's probably how teaching actually started, through stories, experiences, sharing experiences. That's that's exactly what it's all about. But the, you know, the line, wisdom can be learned, but it cannot be taught, is, is such an obvious truth. However, mm-hmm. I think it's only obvious when you've when you have the experiences to back it up that provide the wisdom. Otherwise, I don't think you can understand the statement. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think many something else with with story uh, fairly often. I, I might even say very often. We don't really grasp the full meaning of a story until afterwards, when sort of it's had a, it's had time to percolate in in some way in our minds. And uh, I think that this. Uh, is one of the one of the secrets of why story works. There are a lot of stories that I, I think uh, we we try to select those where you might not get the point right away, but they sort of they sort of wend their way a little bit deeper in, into the consciousness, and something something happens later that calls them back to mind, and you say, aha, that's what that meant. And I think that uh, again, it's one of the geniuses of the storytelling mode that. Uh, that that really the full the full wisdom of the story is not right on the surface, and to listen carefully to story and then to chew it over a little bit afterwards, uh, that I think is how we how, that's how we can approach wisdom.
0: And you know, one of the quotes in your book is, "I stand in a chain of narrators, a link between links. I tell once again the old stories." and mm. if they sound new, it is because the new already lay dormant in them when they were told for the first time. Now, mm-hmm. to me, that speaks to exactly what you're saying. We get what we get when we're ready to get it, not a moment sooner, and it does mm. need to percolate because you need to be ready to receive the information. Anyway, that's how that quote spoke to me, and it, you reminded me of that as you were speaking. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh, I think so, yes, absolutely. I'm just wondering, I'm thinking back, um, how many people are familiar with percolate these days, Uh but uh, I think most people understand what it means.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would hope they, they would. But I wonder I if it's a, it has something to do with age and experience. Now, and if you stop, I mean, I really wonder whether
1: coffee is percolated at all anymore. I, You're probably not old enough to remember the old percolators tea. But uh, let's hope that some people in your audience are you not know, getting the chuckle out of this because it uh, – you know that copy went through several times. It really percolating. It 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 went through again and again. It didn't just drip through once, which is what we're more used to these days. And uh, I'd um, uh, that word percolate is one that I have to be careful of because I most people are not as old as I am.
0: I don't think you're that old. <laughs> oh my goodness! And you have much to offer, so it doesn't really matter what the age is. You're as young as you feel, right? Right, right. That's part of the experience, you know. <laughs> you know, There's you a... go ahead.
1: Now, we're as young. We're as young as the people we we spend time with, and and the. I spend time with people who are young. It doesn't really matter how many years they have on. They're young in their thinking, and they're young in their enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoy people who are young in years also a great deal, but it's uh, it's not a matter just of years. It's a matter of openness and enthusiasm, and uh, that can happen at any age.
0: Yes, to to be, to be know that there is a joy within you and to experience that fully, you know, uh, that I think is, you know, it, it's kind of like your daily routines. We get into a routine every single day and when things go wrong, we experience dissatisfaction and pain and fear and anger and any other negative emotions that come mm-hmm. along. And when things go well, and I don't mean just the daily, you know, plodding along in life, but really well, we experience positive emotions and for the most part, that's that's life. I think your book speaks to experiencing all of life, you know, not so good, the really good, the daily things that are mundane. But as you say it in your book, the isness of our life, it, it, it's important to experience it all because we we let things go and we don't actually treasure or cherish every moment, whether it's good or bad. We don't feel into it. Mm-hmm. We kind of just gloss over it. Would you agree with that? Yes, definitely. Definitely, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what was it that was that something that you hoped the reader would get from your book that they would be able to really see the experience in all aspects of their life?
1: I hope that the the stories and the multiplying of stories would allow them to to see the stories in their lives. We are surrounded by stories and. Partially because we're in, we're in such a hurry, we miss some of them, or we we, we don't pay attention to them. And uh, really, we are surrounded by stories all the time, the, the people we we pass on the street. You know, someone may have a very thoughtful look on a, on a face. And someone else, you can almost see the joy uh, springing up or watching a couple at, a, at an outdoor uh, table sipping coffee uh uh, people are stories, and, and to be alert to that, and uh, just the riches in the people we come across. I think that's the uh, it, is, it is such a uh, a gift. Uh, you're in the New York City area, and I I miss uh, I've I've not been in Manhattan in some years now, but I love those crowds. We we have crowds here in Ann Arbor downtown at a certain time of day, but it's a uh, to be to be surrounded by people who are walking stories, and sometimes from the looks on their faces or the way they're gesturing to someone they're walking with, uh, to realize that we are surrounded by stories and, and to sort of play guesswork on, on what the story might be. It's uh, I find that a I, I'm a tremendous people watcher, and mm. uh, I remember I remember way back in high school that. I used to go to a large department store in Rochester, New York, where where I didn't grow up. And uh, I sort of stand at the bottom and watch people come down the escalator. And it used to trouble me. I remember I wrote a paper on it, it as a high school sophomore that more people looked sad than looked happy. And you'd think people shopping at Christmas time would look happy. But uh, realizing that, you know, maybe they weren't able to. Purchase the gifts that they wished to purchase for some reason or another. They were thinking of something else that they had to do, and it it just troubled me that here at this Christmas season, it was so joyous. More people did not seem to be happy, and uh, I, I guess uh, I way back as a high school sophomore, I was I was watching, and I guess in a sense making up the stories of the people that I was seeing.
0: And I mean, but that makes sense even even today, because so many people are under so much pressure, and they don't manage their time in a way that allows them to actually experience the joy of the holidays and you know it's the most wonderful time of the year for some people it's not it's horrific right. it's horrible it's yeah uh-huh. yeah, too much pressure, too much to do, you've got to do this, you're under obligation, and that's really sad, and I think that's where where I notice. Uh, in my yoga class, uh, a lot of a lot more people attending now, particularly men, which wasn't that way 15 years ago, but now it seems to be more men are coming in simply because they need to ground themselves and somewhere find something that gives them a little bit of space so they can relax. And it, it, sh- it really is a sad state of affairs when you can do that, when you look at people and you think, wow, because at, I know during the holidays I'm usually not – I'm just like enjoy, happy, everything's great. And people are like, What have you done? And it's like, Well, I have agreements with people. You don't have to buy them a gift. You have to just (laughs) acknowledge that they're, you know, I mean, it's not about that. That's not what it's about. (laughs) But, you know, with children, it's different. You have to do what you have to do and and all of that. But I think that people are so overwhelmed. There's this overwhelming sense of got to get everything done and be perfect. And and then we go back to the perfect thing again where, you know, we're not perfect. We're perfect in our imperfections, and we need to cut ourselves some slack. Uh-huh.
1: It's, I think it's important to be alert. I was thinking during your theme song, at least I think the uh, – the music that was, that was playing just before you came on, the repetition of thank you. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was raised uh, very well by my parents and I was taught to say thank you. And I don't know how many years it took. I, I sort of reflexively would, would say thank you, always very politely, but I never thought about it. I never really was experiencing thanks. And uh, I, I heard a a, a talk once, I, I think it was by a, by a Buddhist monk who was who traveling and, and presenting uh, ideas, and uh, he uh, said, "When when when you say thank you, you should be experiencing the thanks, or otherwise your words are empty and meaningless." And I I've thought of that so many. Times. I catch myself still habitually saying to someone who hands me something, "Thank you," and. Catch myself go so just really, yes, I do appreciate this, thank you uh, and to there there's so many of these uh social niceties that that we 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 say without thinking of what we're saying, and it, it part of it is just pausing to mean what we say, to think about, and to try to mean what we say, and I think thank you is one of the big ones there.
0: I think it's huge. I think gratitude is so... Important, but you have to feel it; otherwise, it is empty. And I agree with you. I, I catch myself, and I will literally look at a person and look in their eyes instead of just throwing a thank you. I won't just yell back thank you. I'll look at them and say thank you so much, and I mean it. And they know I mean it. And you can tell when somebody means it. And I also write thank you notes, and that's gone way by the you know by the wayside. Uh-huh. But I I've, I've started doing that based on a book that I read called um, The Magic by uh, Rhonda Burns. It's all about gratitude, and it's a it's like a a 28 day practice and it really gets you into the groove of realizing how important it is to acknowledge people because everybody does have a story and we don't know what their story is. And maybe that thank you is going to save their day. Maybe it's going to make their day. Maybe it's going to bring a little smile to their face and to their heart that they wouldn't have had that day because you don't know what's going on in their life, you know? Mm -hmm. And to me, yeah, just those kind of courtesies, But mean them. Don't just throw them. Mean them. Uh Um, You know, yeah, I think... yeah, when we talk about feelings, one of the stories in your book is about a. a, a mm-hmm. oh, and I'm, I hope I'm not going to me- mess them up because there were so many good ones I couldn't choose. <laughs> the um, oh. There was a, a, a gentleman who needed to say the Jewish prayers during the middle of the day, and he couldn't remember the prayers, so he threw out the alphabet and said to God, you know, if I just say the alphabet, can you put the words into order? Right. And he went yes. and told the rabbi, and the rabbi said, well, actually, because of that and your faith in doing that and in you, your feeling toward it, you were probably praying more than – you know other people who were just saying the words
1: uh, your prayer was better than mine yes yeah, now that's yeah. the exactly i i forget it. i think it was one of the saints who said that the whole spiritual life can be summed up in one word gratitude and worship yes. uh, sure. uh, mm-hmm. it's uh it, it's uh, there that's really profound because again it uh there's so many opportunities for it if, we, if we because we say it we toss it off so easily, and just a couple of times a day to realize what we're saying, uh, I I think, is a very, just, it's a very spiritual act.
0: I agree, and in my practice, I'll oftentimes ask people, one of the first questions is, do you maintain a gratitude journal? And they'll kind of laugh, you know, and they'll say, well, no, I mean, you know, or, or if they come in and say, I have absolutely nothing to be grateful for, and I'll say, well, gee, you left a home that was heated and had hot water and you got in a car and you drove here and you're walking, I'd say right there, there's four or five things that I can see, you know, Uh and they'll just kind of look at me and say, Oh yeah, because we take things for granted, even the air that we breathe, because it's Uh there and you don't have to Uh think about it. But when Uh you really think about it, you can, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what, no matter what you can find something to be grateful for. And I know Uh that's difficult for people to hear when they're going through Challenging situations, but it really is true and that alone lets you a little bit of light and a little bit of love in your heart That allows you to open up more and receive more and get you out of the state that you're in, you know um, That's just really important. And I think that's a very spiritual thing to do I've been maintaining a gratitude journal for I don't know like 13 14 years or I don't know how long Um, It's been a long time and it, it just makes a difference to me. It really changes the tone for the day, it sets the tone for the day and it ends the tone for the day because I do beginning and end of the day and it just you know, but oh, that's a great uh, you know yeah, I, I think it's very mm-hmm. cathartic for people as well, you know Mhm. So yes, Um, Well, let's see. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, many of which have been discussed right on this show, including The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. We've had on Guy Finley for The Courage to be Free, A Message of Hope from the Angels by Lorna Byrne, and of course, Dr. Bernie Siegel. I just love him. He's been here numerous times. All you have to do is search for his name, and you're going to see a number of his books on audible.com. There are so many books available from so many different authors. And the best part is you can listen to audio books on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our URL, which is audibletrial.com slash energyawareness, you get one free audio book along with a one-month trial of the service. So go ahead and write that down, audibletrial.com slash energyawareness to find the books of interest to you. We truly appreciate all of our listeners, and we are really very, very grateful for your support. And I know I say this every week, and I mean it from my heart. We really are grateful for you. So remember, the site is www.audibletrial.com slash energyawareness so that you can get those bonuses when you go online and check that out. You know, uh, Ernie, there are so many people that have experienced things that or they'll say, this is what happened to me. And one of the gentlemen in your book, Aldous Huxley, really puts it into perspective when he stated that experience is not what happens to a man. It is what a man does with what happens to him. And there's uh-huh. a huge difference. That is, uh-huh. I thought that was a very profound statement. Really likes that uh-huh. one a lot.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Huxley,
0: was he had many of those. He was a very wise person. You know, and you have so many different people in your book. However, did were you able to you know, find all these people and then choose. It had to have been a very difficult process. Well, I I do a lot
1: of reading and I I take notes or I jot things down and it's uh, amazing how much you can collect if you're trying to and um then perhaps to put things together sometimes that would be the correspondence between Kathy and me. Uh we would exchange things that struck us or stories that we heard and see what the other person had to say about them and um I, it's a great uh storytelling sort of over that distance by letter by email um uh, it uh things just come together sometimes and uh if if uh spend spend time immersed immersed in good stuff if the good stuff comes out of that so i um uh, I, I was thinking the uh I was at an open AA meeting uh, not too long ago, and there was a woman there who said she'd been sober for 20 years, and then she went out and drank again for about five years, and she so was just coming back. She was her ninth day back, and she was mm. still shaking. She was still shaking a bit and uh, and was very weepy and uh one of the wise one of the wise women in the group at the end of the meeting sort of sort of took her aside and was speaking with her and said, "Okay, I want you to take this sheet of paper and write down all of the things that you're and the first woman just looked at her for a moment, you know for her her whole life had been shattered, and she was just feeling at the absolute at the bottom and the other woman said, "You know he said, you know first of all, you're here, mm. and um." You know, I I I I I don't stay around and watch those things unfortunately I'd love to but that would be intrusive mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to be that kind of person but I just as I walked away I was I just there's just a beauty in that interaction between those two women as that that first woman just sort of a, a little glow came even as even as the tears were still flowing and uh uh, again that that topic of gratitude and how important mm-hmm. it is perhaps especially in difficult moments but it uh that that little uh that little vignette that I that I saw not too long ago, uh those are wonderful experiences to have, to come across stories like that.
0: It truly is because it, all of these things resonate with each and every one of us and it strikes a chord, an empathy chord, a compassion chord. It, it, it brings it all up and allows that emotion, which I think are great emotions to have because it really opens you up more to love. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, or even uh, as, as it's stated in your book, grasping is the gift of grace, you know? So when yeah. you grasp something, that's the grace that you have and and uh, and Lamott, When she said, Uh I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. How beautiful is that? You know, it's so true. She is
1: really a very insightful person, really. I'd love to meet her in person sometime. Um, I'd I'd love to hear her speak sometime, but uh,
2: Mm. she hasn't
1: been in Ann Arbor, I don't think, recently. (laughs)
0: well there are airports you can go to her (laughs) yeah maybe you know yeah maybe (laughs) you know in your book it's not just something that you read from cover to cover but it serves well as a resource in the way that it's segmented as you put it it's not chapters that lead from one to another it's segmented into various categories so that you can pick it up and to to seek some wisdom or information about something specific like listening or forgiveness or community and then, as you stated, when taken all together, the segments form a whole, the whole of the experience of spirituality. So the whole is very gestalt, and then, you know, you've got the rest of it where you can just take it piece by piece. But it, it, the whole is that much greater than the sum of its parts. It truly is. And and it's such a ah, there it, – there is so much in it that just opens you up and just allows your heart to feel through all of these stories some of them make you laugh some of them put a smile on your face you know um the the doctor who went in and then the wife said oh is Um, Is he gone? And the husband said, no, I'm still alive. And she said, be quiet. The doctor knows what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I know so many who can identify with that. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a whole bunch. (laughs) Um, A little unfortunate, but funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there there are so many... uh, so many things, you know, another part was the holy place where God is made known, the place where human Mm. beings discover each other in love. That just Mm. really strikes a chord because we're not talking about romantic love. That's not what we mean here. We mean true, real, spiritual love. And to me, that's what the basis of the book is about, to experience the love in all that we have within and without, outside of us Mm -hmm. and within us, too. And I love this word. I use this word a lot, and you used it in your book, commune with the world in a way that that brings each of us to that place of sacredness, uh-huh. you know, that and, you booked
1: that for me. <laughs> I, I think we, we find those places, I think also by giving rather than by getting. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we live under so many pressures uh, to get and to have, and, and yet uh, and we, we live in an, our economy really runs runs on greed and envy. That's the way the system works, and it works very well. And I'm I'm not sure we would want a better, uh, a different one. But uh, that has to be uh, somewhat offset on an individual level by people who are givers rather than takers. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you know to approach uh, again whether it be a, a, a uh, soup kitchen, or uh, working uh, someplace, or where the homeless uh, hang out, uh, looking for what we can give. Uh, the uh, again, if if some of those stories could motivate people to do that, find settings where you can give, and you know every city has soup kitchens or houses of hospitality, uh, places where they, they are able to. To give of their talent, and uh, I I think the the great unmet need for so many people is to give. Some don't have the opportunity that much. Uh, some that there there are there are some people whose whose lives are so so contorted and so already occupied that, that they, they don't they it's very hard for them to find that opportunity. Usually for those when they find it they do it. it it's it's sort of the rest of us with our there are almost too many of them and so we don't take them right away. And uh it's sort of like again that gratitude thing to find opportunities to give of what we have not not to give things but to give ourselves that's that's where I like the uh, uh something else that i that I did for years was I work one evening a week in a a house of hospitality in the soup kitchen and uh just sort of peeling potatoes. I was never good enough to cook, so I peel the potatoes, mm-hmm. and then afterwards I clean the the metal trays, the plates. But uh, to uh, I I think we need that, and there aren't as many of those opportunities as there used to be. I think we have to work on finding them more these days than than we did some years ago. But I'd really encourage that if some of the stories in that book could encourage that. Find places to really give of yourself.
0: I I agree. I think that because when you give of yourself, you get so much in return. You get so much of what counts, what matters, you know, in return. And it's just a good feeling to go out and put in a good day's work to help somebody else who's less fortunate, doesn't have what you have. And I think it is sometimes cyclical because, in your life, when you are starting out and you're working really hard, you, you know, you're trying to raise a family, make money, get the kids into school, ballet classes, soccer and all that stuff. Now you have to pay for colleges and weddings and everything. And a lot of times the volunteers are older because they're done with that and they need things to do uh-huh. but younger people right now there's an organization in the area that I'm in I'm in Sussex County New Jersey in an organization called Pass It Along which truly I mean the name is all about doing that uh-huh. I uh-huh. went to their awards bank with this past I think it was March or April and I could not believe when the students got up and they were talking about the scholarships that they had received or the organization itself and how they wanted to come back and be a part of it and to give to others there was so much gratitude in that room there was so much uh-huh. love going on. It was a huge Uh love fest. And Pass It Along is an organization that's all over the country. So people can look it up and and find one in your area. They're not franchised. They're just that name is just popular. But there are so many organizations that really, if you look for it in the schools right now, I think are trying to get the kids more involved in that because I'm seeing the the children, the little kids uh, really becoming more helpful, learning to be more helpful and do for other people and get that feeling going instead of just watching uh-huh. the parents working and working and working, you know. And uh-huh. I hear kids saying, I don't want to be like my parents. I want to spend time doing stuff that, that will really make a difference. That's uh-huh. important. And you do this message does come across in your book because the stories are so impactful. They're not, you know, you can laugh, you can smile, you can cry. There are some of them that just really, you know, it, just, it tears at your heart. Uh, uh-huh. it, 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 it's just... It's very well written. It's very well put together. It's 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 something that, and I like the segments so that you can read about different things and, and get an idea of what it is you might be going through. But I do think that sometimes the volunteer thing is difficult for people, and that's when if they're feeling bad, they have to remember, I can't do it now, but I will, you know, uh-huh. and they know they will and cut themselves slack for what's going on in their life because I don't think people cut themselves enough slack. Uh-huh.
1: Well, I think another thing about that is, is that there's a trap there. You can't do it in order to feel good. It doesn't work. Feel, feeling the genuine kind of feeling good doesn't come when we try to get it. Again, that's right. one thing that I really learned at AA meetings because that's one thing alcoholics, at least to hear their stories, are describing. You know, they want to feel good, and of course, what alcohol does eventually is destroy them. But it doesn't work to try to feel good. It uh, the, the the genuine feeling good comes uh, not intentionally, but but because of something else that we do. It's a by the way, freely given gift and it's uh, I, I think at times where this is one problem with uh, trying to trying to do some of these things it may be good, but if it's it's done for the purpose of feeling good that sort of it sort of takes the guts out of it they uh, it has it, gotta be done out out of that that general it's gotta be done to give i do it because i- because I want to because i i feel this this is part of me to do this and uh when that when that's done I I think that the genuine feeling good that will come because it does, but it doesn't feeling good is one of those things that doesn't come when we try to get it directly. It's a freely given gift in my understanding.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is. And that's why I think there's so many different organizations so you can see something that you may have a passion for and say, Well, I like to do that, I'll try it and you try it and you don't realize how good you're going to feel until you have tried it and given Uh something and thought, wow, that made me feel better than I thought it would. I thought I was just going to be doing whatever, you know. Uh I remember teaching um, uh, children um, how to knit. People don't knit, and and I knit. And people are like, oh, you know how to knit because nobody knows how to knit. And I'm like, yeah, I know Uh how to knit. So they brought me in, and I taught the kids how to knit. And I have to tell you, I I just thought, all right, I'm going to teach kids how to knit. Oh, brother. And that's how I went into it. Really, Uh and there was one little girl, and she was just, she took off like a shot. She was just, she'd bring it to me and show me, and she was doing a fabulous job. And the smile on her face put a smile on my heart, and it was just crazy good, you know. So Uh what turned out, what I thought was going to be a boring experience one day, turned out to be like a a six-week effort (laughs) (laughs) to get these Uh kids. Yeah, and that
1: little 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 smile probably meant more to you than anything they could have given you. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, Oh yeah, and I didn't want anything. I just, you know, I was just like, okay, yeah, I'll do it because nobody else knows how to knit, you know. And, and it, it, all right, fine, I'll do it. So I did, and it was uh-huh. it was amazing. It really was. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch base on was the uh, when you talk about the issue of comparison, and there was how we compare ourselves to others, and it doesn't do us any good at all. We miss out on all the the gifts that we're given when we compare ourselves to everyone else around us and I think it was um William Hare who spoke about this the most in your book it seems to be part of human nature to do so to look at other people and say why can't i like be like that why can't i do that why is you know and maybe be envious of of people and i was interviewing a gentleman Emmanuel Dagger who's a holistic health practitioner a teacher and an empowerment coach and as we were talking he offered a very easy equation to remind us of our own gifts and the equation was when you find yourself comparing yourself to someone, take the comparison, subtract the judgment, add discernment, and you will find admiration. And uh-huh. I rather liked that. And when I read uh-huh. the uh, the Say thing on again, wonder gee. by comparison, yeah, do that again. Minus, yep. Comparison uh-huh. minus judgment plus discernment equals admiration. Uh huh. Yes, that's um, uh-huh. I like that. I yeah, do. and it, it's pretty much what Mr. Har said. He had a long paragraph in your book, and I read it, and I thought, oh, this is a comparison minus judgment plus discernment equals admiration, because really, uh-huh. when you can admire somebody else, you're you're bringing yourself up, because you can look at them. We all have our own gifts, but you can't have all of them. You know, I'm uh-huh. never going to be an opera singer. Okay, it's just not going to happen. I'm never going to be an Olympic champion. It's not, not going to happen. I look at them, and I say, oh, that's just wonderful. You know, my gift is whatever it is that I'm doing, but uh-huh. people want they have like the other gifts. They want to have them all and they and they start looking toward that. And oftentimes, like, this is hanging on a wall in my office. Comparison minus judgment plus discernment equals admiration. Anybody who walks in and has a problem, I just point to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: It's, it's easier that way because, yeah, it's so true, you know, but I think that's mm-hmm. part of human nature where we just, well, how come I can't be like that or how come I'm not good enough or instead of finding your own thing, if we all just mm-hmm. kind of, paid attention to our own little energy field, everybody would have their own gift, bring it to the table, and complete the picture because you're a puzzle piece, you know?
1: (laughs) Uh, Comparisons are a trap. Comparisons are a trap, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. That's the...
1: uh, Go ahead. One of the AA mottos is identify, don't compare because it's uh, uh, just a frequent, uh, you know, sometimes... after a meeting someone speaking and uh someone will will say something and someone will just remind them identify don't compare and that uh that's again one of the one of the ways in which that marvelous program works It's really uh, the more I study it, the more wisdom I find in it so it's uh mm. it's a great source a great source of wisdom to me
0: yeah comparison will take you right down right down because you just automatically don't think you're good enough for anything when you start to do that. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh-huh. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gosh, we are getting close to the top of the hour, and I would really like to read probably to me one of the quotes in your book that for me summed up spirituality so very well. It, may I do that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's by Reb um, Yorakmiel. Yur, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm not sure. Yorakmiel. Right. uh mm-hmm. You're okay. Spirituality is not a thing or a feeling. Spirituality is paying attention. Spirituality is being present to what is happening around and within you. Spirituality is living in the world with compassion and justice. Spirituality is making the world a little better for your having been born into it spirituality is meeting God in the ordinariness of our everyday lives. That to me, Ernie was just so beautiful. I need to thank you so much for including that quote in the book. I just loved it. And I I came upon it early on and I thought that is just, just beautiful because it really does sum it up. And, you know, we really do need to like thank the world, you know, for having been born into it and, you know making it a little bit better because we were born into it and thank god that we have that opportunity Uh
1: Uh you know that that's really the pen name of a a rabbi that he's taken from a from history and this is a rabbi in new orleans and uh he went through the katrina thing and you know new orleans is not a very great center of judaism and uh what uh, I, I really don't know enough. I'd like to know more about what he did in that situation. But uh, from the few descriptions that I have, the man is a saint. Uh, he just, uh, and I think you know, that's the kind of person who can come and say something. You know, your instinct for that quotation that 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 comes from someone whom, uh, at least to the best of my knowledge, is a. Uh, I hate to use that word, but he's holy, and uh, mm-hmm. in the in the full best sense of that word, and there is no other word for it. And uh, so, I'm, I'm. Thanks for reading it. I, I love that each time I hear it.
0: Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It, it absolutely is. It was one of the stories in the book too that kind of played off of that. When I read it, it was about um, a seeker on a prayer rug who. Let's see, the prayer came came the crippled and the beggar and the beaten and seeing them, he went down into deep prayer and he was crying and he said to God, how is it that, you know, you, a loving creator, can see these things and and yet you don't do anything about it? And out of the long silence, God said to him, I did do something about them. I made you. Yes. And I thought, yes. "Yes." All this is really like good stuff, you know. I I would suggest to the listeners out there that if you're looking for a really neat book, the holidays are coming get it for yourself, buy it for everyone, because this is really a good book that goes to the heart. This is a gift. This is a gift that gives you a gift that you will not be able to purchase in a store. So, you know, think about that when you're, when you're contemplating what you need to do during that time of year, when you're going crazy, (laughs) Uh yes, (laughs) you know, the time has really flown by and we're almost at the top of the hour, Ernie. So I want to thank you so much for taking time to join us here on energy awareness radio. But before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and your work and where they can purchase your book, experiencing spirituality?
1: Oh, well, I, I have a, a website. It's a very thin website, but, uh, you gave the URL before. It, it's uh, ernestkurtz.com uh, or erniekurtz.com. Either the book also has a website, so experiencingspirituality.com, and there are uh, there's a blog on that 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 takes uh readings from the other from both of our books really are we put in the blog for commentary so uh if anyone is interested in that and i really believe in supporting uh, local doors i i know that uh mm. barnes noble and noble and amazon uh are easily available to people online but if if there's a brick and mortar bookstore uh near you uh i encourage you to support it those uh uh, one of the saddest things in in my life is the fact that these bookstores are going out of business, and we it's so difficult to find a, a real bookstore now. And uh, again, I, I live in a university town, so we do have a couple here. But uh, if if you can support a brick and mortar store, I encourage you to do that. Otherwise, if you're interested in a book, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon online, they're both there.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. And please thank Catherine as well for being the co-author. You both have done a fabulous job with this book. It is it is really a treasure, you know, so thank you for that. And uh, yeah, we'll move on now. So listeners, Thanks, we need you to... You're welcome. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. You know, we live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live, productively, healthfully, purposefully. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show that you just listened to to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. And on behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year, including the upcoming Crystal Singing Bowl concert on October 5th. If you're not in the area or you can't make a concert, you can order my CD, Imagine, from the site as well. And soon, my second CD, which is The Healing Sounds of Christmas, will be on the site as well as of, I believe, October 1st. So don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
2: i got a roof over my head. I